Welcome to this week's episode of Stand Out, how to grow your organizational and productivity practice, brought to you by NAPO, the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. With every episode, we're going to learn from subject matter experts who can help you build your business in areas like marketing, HR, and finance. We'll also introduce you to business owners who are out there just like you are, and we'll learn from their successes and challenges. Please welcome your host, professional organizer, Sarah Karakayan. Hello, and welcome to the Stand Out Podcast, growing your organizing and productivity business. I'm Sarah Karakayan, professional organizer and your host. So before I became a business owner, I was in an entirely different industry. When I decided I needed a change, I read book after book about how to start a business. I read about life transitions. I got my hands on anything I could to help me through the process of leaving behind one career and starting another. But I got the best advice when I spoke to successful business owners in person and asked them, if you could give me one piece of advice regarding how to start my own business, what would you suggest? And many of them told me to hire a business coach. Although there are many ways to find a coach, and we'll totally dive into that topic later on, I decided to post my needs on a website that focuses on matching clients to coaches. I interviewed a few and finally committed to one, and it was the best decision I've made for myself since starting a business. Today's guest is Allison Task. She is a best-selling author and life coach who has helped hundreds of people radically transform their lives by pursuing meaningful personal and career goals. Prior to coaching, Allison was an on-camera cooking host, cookbook author, and marketing executive. She has a degree in human development and family studies from Cornell University, a coaching certificate and master's degree from the New York University, and a culinary degree from the Institute of Culinary Education. Her newest book, Personal Revolution, How to Be Happy, Change Your Life, and Do That Thing You've Always Wanted to Do, was just released and is already an Amazon bestseller. So Allison, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I, I, when I was listening to you go over my bio, I was like, well, that girl likes school. That girl likes to learn. <laughs> yes, yes, you do. And you know, actually it's kind of like a recurring theme of all, all of our guests. They all have these amazing like educational backgrounds in one form or another, whether it's a certificate or they worked with someone like as an apprentice for a really long time. So you've got some serious experience. Nice. I'm in good company yeah, with your so, podcast guests. <laughs> you are. We try to bring on stars for sure. So I know that you have one of the most remarkable stories from where you were to where you are now. So can you just take our listeners through that journey from marketing executive to on-camera cooking host to, to today? You bet. Um, so let's start with college, right? When I came out of college, it was kind of a, a tough uh, time out there in the workforce. It was 1994, but this weird thing happened. I think it was called a Netscape browser. So even though it was a, a weird time and a hard time to get a job, there was this thing out there um, called the internet that was that seemed to be happening. That it, to me, it seemed like it's where all the interesting work was. And since I didn't have a lot of other career opportunities, it was easy, kind of like Frogger, to jump on that boat and see what it was like. So my first real job professionally was, you know, I was a marketing director for an eight-person company that soon became a you know hundred-person company and went public. And I did that a couple of times. I, I really enjoyed the dot-com experience of entrepreneurship and growth. 
Um, and while doing that, I watched people make their dreams come true. I watched people say, hey, this crazy thing called the internet, yeah, we're all gonna do all of our holiday shopping on it in just five years. And people kind of looked at us like we were crazy, but we really believed it and then we made it true. So that was a very important life experience. That was my 20s, right? So that was my first thing of, oh, so I guess you can make anything happen if you want to and you try hard enough. And that's sort of central to my belief set. During that time, I was sort of with a lot of entrepreneurs. I lived in New York and then San Francisco, and there was a lot of venture capital around and people kept telling me, hey, Allison, we, we bet on you. What's the company you're going to start? And I thought, and I thought, and I thought, and bizarrely, I'm just going to share this because it's weird. I don't think I've ever shared it publicly, but for, at one point I was like, I'm going to become the Heidi Fleiss of Silicon Valley because yeah, could have been a great business, right? Except it wasn't, it wasn't yeah. going to be sex. It was going to be true escorts because there were all of these guys and they were a lot of guys without a lot of strong social skills or dating experience that suddenly had these <laughs> business meetings and needed great guests to come and socialize with them. And here we are sitting between, you know, Stanford and Berkeley with incredibly smart people. And it, it was almost like I wanted, anyway, segue. I wanted to start a dating service to introduce those people, not an escort service, and, but an escort in the traditional sense of escort. Anyway, point being, there was money to be had and people were suggesting I start businesses. And I realized I was far more interested in analog businesses and relationships than I was in tech. Um, which took me to a sabbatical, which took me to a culinary school jaunt, and I always wanted to try writing. Um, so I, I wrote for Wired and the Silicon Alley Reporter and a few other magazines, Cooking Light, incidentally, and realized that that's where my heart was. As much as I loved entrepreneurship, I didn't love technology and I didn't love .com. So I left, went to culinary school full time. And since I was in this fertile soil of dream a crazy dream and you can make it happen, because we believe in you and that's how you do, right? That's how my cadre right. did. I said, well, I, uh, oh, well, here it is, 1999. And women really have been well-educated, right? Now we're part of the workforce, but we don't have domestic skills. So uh, I don't have domestic skills. I have an Ivy League degree and I can't cook an egg. I think I'm probably <laughs> not alone in that. So I'm going to go to culinary school, really learn how to cook and then come out and help people, help women like me figure it out. And gain domestic skills because now I was approaching 30 and interested in starting a family, et cetera. So I went to culinary school and I was like, I'm going to do this. And I went in for my interview and I said, I'm going to have a, a series of cooking shows and cookbooks and I'm going to help modern women gain comfort in the kitchen. Right. And they were like, okay. Cause they weren't all living in the dot com world. Like I was, they're like, well, that's pretty hard and not many people do it, but yeah, good luck with that. I was like, well, obviously you don't know me, so that's fine. And here I go. So I went to culinary school and then when I got out, I was like, I have to work for the best. I obviously need to do a restaurant internship with Martha Stewart because I want to just apprentice myself to the very best people out there. And so I just did it. You know, getting a job at Martha Stewart was really hard, but I didn't care that it was hard. I cared that I needed it to do the things I wanted to do professionally. So I went for it. And then, you know, that began my second professional decade uh, working for Martha Stewart. And yes, I did get an opportunity through Martha to host a TV show. I helped her launch a little cooking magazine called Everyday Food. Then I was one of the hosts on that show, which I believe is still running on PBS. Then I got the opportunity to host a show on TLC called Homemade Simple, underwritten by Procter & Gamble, which is an incredible learning experience with the best marketers of all time, PNG. 
Then I went on to host a show called Cook Yourself Thin on Lifetime and eventually ended up at Yahoo where I hosted a show for two years called Blue Ribbon Hunter, which is the ultimate dream job, traveling the country for two years, going to the best food festivals from Spam Jam in Hawaii to Lobster Fest in Maine. And I just, I just crisscrossed the country meeting wonderful people who had a passion for food, celebration, and fun. And I got to you know, be there and interview people. My job was to be on camera bringing out the best of people in these environments. I got to say Eel Pout Festival too. I went to a, a fishing festival on a frozen lake. If you've ever had the chance to go to Eel Pout Festival in Walker, Minnesota, the dead of winter on, in February, <laughs> it is a, a, a tens of thousands of people festival on, yes, on a frozen lake. Please don't miss that. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so oh point my gosh. being, that's, that was sort of my professional career. And midway through cooking, my cooking career, I had a cooking school, a private cooking school. I went to people's homes and showed them how to cook. And the conversations in the kitchen became more about life. It was less about shallots and stir fries and more about <laughs> like, hey, this guy who's coming in over tonight to eat this meal, I really want to marry him. How do I figure this out? How do I let them know? You know, we had DNMs. It was a series of deep and meaningful conversations. And while I felt fully equipped to teach cooking, I felt ill-equipped to give that kind of therapeutic consultation. Not therapy, but just uh, personal advancement conversations, whether it was professional or intimate. And then I found that NYU had a career, uh, had a coaching program. And I was like, oh, I guess this is what I'm doing. And this is what I want to do more of. So I went and got that cert certificate so that I could really do it. And that felt like very meaningful and powerful work because um, the cooking was fine and it was good. But this, the, the real essence I was trying to get to there was helping people get, build their confidence and be the person they want to be, right? Be the homemaker they want to be, be the mother they want to be, be the professional they want to be. So that's a uh, that's long story long, Sarah. That's how I got into it. Oh my gosh. So you're no stranger to life transitions, it sounds like. You made at least two, three, if you count your that first is true. career. I, I, as, I like them. I like making transitions. Right. Right. So, and so you feel very confident helping others make those same life transitions just in their own way. I, I did have the wonderful gift of .com for my twenties. And that taught me that you can do things and you can, there's a real power in what you believe you can do. And I, I will never lose that. I will always have that. That will, that is now part of my DNA. And I see those people. In fact, right. my first boss at EarthWeb is now running for mayor of New York because he grew in that fertile soil too. His, his brother, who's part of the company, is this pianist who, who gives free piano concerts around the world, helping people engage in mindful meditation. Like They both started at a dot-com. Wow. You watch those dot-comers from the 90s. I mean, case in point, look at Bill Gates, right? Bill Gates used to be uh, everyone's favorite bad guy. And he's like, Okay. Yeah. And so after I put a desktop on every, a, a, a computer on every desktop, now I'm just going to save the world from disease and poverty because <laughs> right. I'm going to put my Superman cape on, right? He, he too was, was his DNA shifted in that fertile soil. Right. Ah, you're right. And so, so now that you've, you've got that certificate from NYU and you started your own life coaching business, who, who have you learned needs a coach? <laughs> Does only is it a certain type that you see uh, see coaching? Who needs one? Um, well, everyone who isn't doing that thing they want to do, right? If you've been talking about making a change for a while and it's not happened, check in with a coach. If there's something really big and you're afraid of it, check in with a coach. 
I, I ran a marathon and when I, I was training for my marathon, of course I joined a running club and had a coach because I just wanted to get out there and run, but I wanted someone else to make it fun and help me find my internal motivation. Whenever you're doing something hard, you need a coach. You need someone in your corner who's going to make it a little bit easier and fun. Right. Okay. So then how about this? I know a lot of our listeners are coaches themselves. So they they coach clients to be more organized or a lot of them teach executives and business owners, um, sometimes entire teams on how to be more productive. Others teach uh, new organizers how to build their own organizing or productivity business. So do coaches need coaches? Absolutely. I mean, I, I have a coach. In fact, I have several coaches. I've hired a business coach for my business, um, a, a more traditional coach to help me literally with my thinking. Mm-hmm. When my thinking gets muddy, I, I hired a very traditional coach who kind of lets me roll like this and then pulls out the gems to help me organize my thoughts. I know what I'm good at. Like Sarah, I don't think you would hire a designer to design your house. Right. But so you know your strengths, but you also know your there are some things that you're not as good at as you could be. Mm-hmm. And that's where you hire a coach to help you get better. Right. Well, what about if everything seems to be going really well in your business and you're mm-hmm. like, I'm growing and I feel like I've got this, but maybe someone's nervous or maybe they are starting to like uh, just put it all to the side because they're so nervous. They're growing so fast or maybe they feel great and they feel like a star and they're just, they're just skipping along. I mean, do people need coaches when things aren't broken or when they're not about to go through a transition? Hmm. Very interesting question. First of all, I would say if you don't know, hire a coach, have a session, see what it's like, right? Have an introductory session, see what the coaching experience is. Even if you are a coach, especially if you are a coach, other people catch your eye. Ooh, they're, a, they're a, an emotional coach. They're a chakra coach. They're a love coach. I'm an organizing coach. This is a business coach, right? So find something that maybe do your own whole life model. If you're a coach, you know what a whole life model is. If you're not a coach, um, my book, chapter two is the whole life model. You can go to my website and down, download a free PDF of the whole life model. A whole life life model takes inventory of 10 important areas of your life. Figure out where you're strong, figure out where you're weak. And in those areas in which you're weak, perhaps you need a coach. Mm -hmm. Have that session to see if it's of value. Um, You don't know how much you need a designer until you have a designer. You know, I thought I could cut my kids' hair until I realized (laughs) they were five and they looked ridiculous. Then I hired a hair, you know, hair cutter for my kids. So like sometimes you're a DIY person, but figure out where you're weak and have the coaching experience. Um, Sarah, to answer your question in a different way, uh, this year, as you said, I published the book, right? I started in August. I hired a team to help me. It wasn't working out well. I couldn't figure out if it was them or me. Mm. I hired a coach who's really good at helping with my thinking, right? A classically trained traditional coach just out of coaching school. I wanted someone to give me like very basic rudimentary coaching and help me with my own thinking. I hired her. I was like, I want to see you once a month, October, November, December, until I've got this book thing figured out. Your job is to help me with my own thinking about how I want to do this book. Had the three sessions. She just helped me pick up momentum. The, then I hired another consultant to help me with a launch. That consultant killed it for the launch, right? Right. Now I know I'm going to take the summer and chill, but I'm going to book a session with my coach mid-August because I want her to help me with my thinking as I plan for Q4. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
the the coach is just a tool that you pull in when you need. You know, we've had some, we've already had a few podcast episodes. We've talked about hiring out certain aspects of your business that either you're not good at or you don't like doing, right? But then you're you're left with what you're left with. And it sounds like maybe you like doing those, like like you would you enjoy writing that book. You know that you that writing that book is going to mean something for your business, but you've had Mm -hmm. a, a stopping point or or frustration or what have you. So instead of like hiring out entirely, I don't even know if that's possible, but do you know what I'm saying? Like you still take what's something that you want to accomplish yourself and you just hire someone to help you get there either faster or have more fun doing it or just know that you're going to get better results. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. I, I, I love hiring out professionals. Know what you're good at. Know what they're better at. I love, I love, first of all, finding people and then hiring people who are better than me. Uh, for example, I love writing. I love it a lot. I write a lot. However, I'm running a coaching practice. And if I'm writing, then I'm not coaching. And there's so many hours in the day and my coaching practice is healthy and growing. And so I found this writer, Elisa Ung, who I love working with. Um, She gave a final edit to my book. She gets my voice. She gets me. She's been a coaching client. She's awesome. She writes better in my voice than I do. Plus, she's 25 years trained as a writer and a journalist, which I am not. So she's like a better version of me when it comes to writing. I love working with her because things happen faster, better, easier than when I do it. Fantastic. So I I think I'm going to bring up something that I think our listeners are saying to themselves right now. And it's, I keep hearing the word higher, higher, higher. And then (laughs) then I see dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. (laughs) So how can, even if you know something like a coach is you yourself, you've seen people go from zero to hero. You've seen amazing things happen with your clients. You do it yourself and you notice the change in your business. But how can we share with our listeners that that this is indeed a good investment and that the investment you make now is definitely going to have a crazy, amazing ROI if you put the work in? Well, first of all, ask your coach if they would do an ROI exercise with you. I sometimes do that with my clients and say, okay, you know, as we're doing our goal setting, which is the very first thing we do in coaching, as you set your goal, what is this worth to you? Uh, You're currently not working. You want to have a job in six months. If I can get you a job that pays $200,000 in six months, what is that worth to you? Wow. Well, that's worth $50,000. Okay, cool. Well, I'll just charge you four. How's that? (laughs) Oh, well, that's great. You can really do this. Sure. We are going to do this. We're going to do this together. So first of all, establish your ROI. What do you need to get to make this work? When Elisa writes for me, Elisa ain't cheap, sugar. She's a She's a superstar and she's, she's not, she's a pretty penny, but for every article Lisa writes, I'm going to get three new clients, which makes my shiny pennies. So connect it to ROI, mental health ROI, literally more business through the door, hours worked, figure out the return you want to get on this coaching investment and then get it. One thing I, I love to see with my clients is, okay, cool. So you want to get a new job and what kind of revenue do you want from this? Um, Sarah, I remember, you know, speaking with a client who wanted to start a, a home decorating business and they started by giving away free work. And then suddenly they were making more money than they expected to make. Right. And that was kind of awesome. Right. So that's good <laughs> coaching right there. Absolutely. Right. And I love how you use the example of someone who didn't have a job, but wanted to find a job in six months 
And so, cause a lot of our listeners, a lot of them are ramping up businesses or even thinking about yeah. like they're in one job and like, I would love to be a productivity coach or specialist, but how do I make that transition? And I think that's why I really wanted to have this episode because this is a lot of people don't think of this right away. I know I didn't. So it's just a great tool to have that really can take you from one point to another, sometimes in super speed because you have someone on the other end cheering you on and has experience in doing so. Yeah. And you know, Sarah, as you're saying this, I I have to say, you know, people who want to start a business, people who are thinking about starting a business. I've been a coach for 12 years. When I restarted my coaching business after kids, I went to a coach right here in Montclair, New Jersey, where I live. Her name is Linda Wallace. If you want a great coach, look her up. L-Y-N-D-A-W-A-L-L-A-C-E. She charges $600 an hour, which is a lot of money. Wow. And I went to her first session and I said, listen, I'm thinking about being a coach, but I don't know. I want to do it full time. And I got the kids and I, I, I just feel like I need to go back to social, school for social work first you know, here's my experience, but I'm just feeling insecure because, you know, I had been out of the workforce. And she goes, are you kidding me? You have more experience than I do. I charge $600 an hour. I have a very healthy business. You can too. Don't look for schools. Look for an office and get coaching. By our next session, I had an office and I was coaching. (laughs) So for the $600 I spent on Linda, I saved $30,000 $30,000 that I, or $50,000 that I would have spent on a master's degree going for two years and all that revenue I would have missed. Wow. So is, how's that ROI? Yeah. I'd say pretty high. Are her rates high? Yeah. But did she save and then make me money? Hell yeah. Wow. Okay. So where do we find a coach? <laughs> where does one look for someone reputable and who is going to think of things like ROI? Cause you know, you know, those clients are thinking about the money spending. Where do we go to find people like yourself? You bet. So the main body, and those of you who are listening who are coaches, you guys know this, that the main body for coaching is called um, the International Coach Federation. You can go to coachfederation.org and you can search for a coach anywhere in the world with any kind of specialty. Maybe it's new business, maybe it's love, maybe it's ADHD coaching. You can go to coachfederation.org and find someone. You can also do a simple Google search. I know most people find me because I'm sort of Uh, SEO optimized here locally in New Jersey. So people will find me um, on Google, Google some coaches, check them out. Numi is a great service. You had mentioned it earlier. N-O-O-M-I-I is a place where you can go and post what you're looking for and coaches will try to win your business. Then the great people at Numi will match you with up to three coaches who they think would be great for you. And then you can choose from there. Great. Easy peasy. It sounds like. (laughs) <laughs> and if you're interested, my, obviously my website is alisontask.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-S-K.com. I also like in general when picking a coach, pick someone who's transparent, pick someone who has their rates on their website or easy to find. There is some like a, a bad coaching habit, which is lure them in with a free intro session. Then by the time they're all fired up and psyched about the coaching, slap them with a big package. I don't like that. I liked an informed uh, consumer. I don't like the pressure sell after a freebie session. That's no freebie in my book. So make sure you you get the rates up front so you know what you're getting into. That happened to my husband once. He went to a great coach. And then after the session, he's like, I love you. I want to work with you. What are your rates? And she was kind of like, 
you can't afford me, but here's my associate. Uh, and it was a very uh, negative experience. So just get that stuff up front so you're an informed consumer. What other things can we look for when interviewing a coach? Are we having that first session? What other warning signs and also um, ding, 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 that's a good sign situation should we be looking for when interviewing them? Um, a, a lot of it is in your chemistry okay. uh, and what you're looking for, right? Coaching isn't therapy, but it is therapeutic. So you should have a good feeling at the end of the session. You should feel lighter, more productive, and hopefully you have a list of next steps. Good coaching means the work happens between sessions. Your coaching session is a strategic session. It gets you moving, but the work happens between sessions. Good coaches will give you a program that offer unlimited email support. Um, They are committing to you. It's not like a therapist who you'll see once a week or you only see for that session when you're in their office. There should be ongoing uh, rapport, repartee, problem solving between sessions as well. Right. Should we look for someone who specializes in what we do? So should productivity specialists hire coaches who are also productivity specialists or could, or are there people out there who really can just help you stay motivated and focused on the goals that you've set for yourself? A good coach. Remember when I said I wanted to hire a traditionally trained coach who yes. could help me with my thinking? Yes. I, as a coaching client, you have the answers, right? You have the solution. A coach is there to help you navigate your own brain. So I specifically wanted someone fresh out of coaching school who wasn't going to consult. I didn't want to consult. I didn't want you to give me your ideas. I know I had the answers. I wanted you to help me navigate my brain. So a lot of coaches are coach slash consultants. If you want that, right? If you want to be an on-camera person and you hire a former on-camera person because they might have contacts for you in the business, cool. But figure out if you want coaching or consulting. A good coach helps you with your own thing. Got it. So it really just depends on who you are, what your goals are, and what you need at that time in your life. Yes. And and like I said, I had that one coach who helped me set up my business. I have another coach that will help me, you know, with my thinking. There's plenty of parenting coaches that will help you with that. You know, so, so you, 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 you don't use a spoon when you need a knife. Right. You know, you touched on something that I had prepared to ask you here anyway. So I want to dive in. I know on your website, you have something that says you have the answers. I have the questions. Can you dive into what that means (laughs) a little bit more? Cause I love that. And I, and I, and I want, our listeners to kind of think about that. Sure. Ha- happy to tell you, but first let me ask you a question because I have the questions, <laughs> you have the answers. Why do you love that? What, what about that resonates for you? Because you, you, it's not, you don't think about, it's like, no, you have the own answers to what, where you want to go. That's why you're seeking coaching most likely, or, or you've started your own business. I want to help people get organized. Okay. So that's, I have that answer for myself. Um, but when you have someone ask you those tough questions, they get you thinking, like you said, help you with your thinking to, to help you navigate what's going to really help you. Cause we're all different. We all operate differently. We all, mm-hmm. um, have different ways of doing things. So when we answer these questions that are professionally posed by, by someone who's trained in coaching, you kind of, you kind of think for yourself, which I think is really powerful. And that is exactly why I love coaching. I let people know, you know, I'm here to serve you. I work for you. You're my boss, right? Coaching should be ultimately empowering and strengthening. I think there are too many quote unquote experts we go to that um, they have the answers, right? Elisa, my example before, she's an expert writer. I don't want to be as good of a writer as she is. I want to be a good coach and she is a good writer. I respect her expertise. I'm not looking to build that skill. Right. But navigating your life and career and choices 
you need to continue to get better at that, right? You don't want to outsource parenting. You want to be able to parent. Right. You don't want to outsource navigating your life. You want people to help you with your own thinking, but you want to continue to strengthen that muscle of ownership of your life. Ah, so powerful. Okay. We are going to take a really quick break. We've got a message from NAPO, but when we get back, I have a few more questions for Allison Task about coaching and how it can help your business. So we will be right back. The National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals is proud to offer NAPO University's live webinars. These webinars are offered several times each year. Many of NAPO University's courses are also available on demand, which enables students to purchase them and then watch or listen at any time. We have more than 140 courses ranging from starting an organizing business to productivity chain assessment and everything in between. Visit napo.net to learn more. Okay, we are back. I have Allison Task, who is a career and life coach. And actually, Allison, that's my next question for you. What is the difference between career coach, life coach, uh, business coach? Um, are they all kind of the same thing? Or does it really go back to what we've been talking about before, hiring a, a, a writing coach or a, 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 a parent coach? Like, what are the diff- And what is the difference between a coach and a therapist then too? Like, can you really help us understand those differences? <laughs> Sure. Let's start with coach therapist because that's an easy one. Yeah. So um, when I when I start working with someone, I have a welcome pack um, that basically says, you know, if you are working with a coach, you are at baseline. Meaning, if you are working with, let's say, a triathlon coach, you are healthy enough to engage in the preparation of a triathlon. If you have a heart problem or your foot is broken, you should probably see a different professional before you are ready for this triathlon. Right. right. If you are at mental health baseline, you can engage in coaching. If you are not at mental health baseline, please see a therapist who can help you get to baseline. Gotcha. Um, I will often have clients who are in therapy and they'll bring something up and I'll be like, I hear you. That's an important question. Unfortunately, that's not something I'm equipped to help with. Do make sure you bring that up with your therapist. So I know my boundary. Your plumber is an electrician. Your therapist isn't a coach and your coach. Well, some, but Sometimes there's overlap. In my case, I am just a coach. I take you baseline and further. Um, if I, I've had clients who are depressed and they're getting to a point where they're not getting their work done and they're stagnating and it's not about the coaching, it's about something else. Right. I suggest that they see a psychiatrist or a therapist or someone who can help them get back to baseline so that we can continue our work. So that's, does that answer your question? Makes total sense. Yes. Cool. As for the career coach, life coach, you know, it's all different stripes. I am a career coach and a life coach because a career is a really important part of your life, right? It's a big part of your life. And I want to help people with big things, but it's also just one part of your life. It's big, but it's a component. So when I help people figure out their careers, it's important for me to do it in the context of their life. If I just help you with your headache and don't also notice your nosebleeds, then I'm probably not really going to help you. Right. So it's important to me that your career fits into the life you want. And yes, your life is more important than your career. How many times have we heard of someone with an amazing career, but a terrible personal life? Right. It's not what I want for the people who come to see me. Right. I, that's just my personal philosophy. And that's the work I choose to do. So there's that. Life coaching is all encompassing, but again, it's not therapy. It's just um, optimizing different areas of your life, friendships, uh, geography, where I live, 
my fun and creativity, personal development, relationships, family, um, self-growth, right? So that's life. Then career, obviously, you know what career is. And some people make a choice. You know what? At this point, can I kind of put career on autopilot and really put my energy into uh, my children? That's right. a great example. Or my mom's sick. I need to stay in this career that I find dull because the next few years I'm going to be with my mom because she has terminal cancer and that's where I'm going to spend my time. Career autopilot or career part-time. Good to go. And I'm sure some people come to you thinking it's all about the career and they discover with you that actually it is that, that life, a component that they want to strengthen. So I'm sure that those discoveries happen all the time. Those discoveries do happen. And it's kind of really liberating for people to realize that, that they are important and their summers and how they spend their summers are important and how they spend their time with their kids. It's not preordained that work has to suck and right. it has to suck your life or your time. And we can sort of uh, re-architect your life intentionally. Right. Okay. So let's say we hire a coach. We are excited about the ROI. We're two, three sessions in and we're like, ah, I thought I asked them all the questions I wanted to ask, but I don't feel right. I, I feel like this relationship isn't, isn't what I need. How do we go about, I hate the word fire, but how do we go about firing our coach or, or telling breaking them that up. it's just not working, breaking up? How do we do that? What do you recommend a good way to, to make that, that change? Okay, good. So as a coach, so this actually just happened with me and it happens all the time, right? Not all relationships. You think it's going to be great, but then something happens. I've had uh, clients that, you know, have a major health crisis in the middle of a coaching initiative and say, can we put this on hold for a year? You bet. See you in a year. Yeah. Check in with me if you want. See you in a year, right? So that happens. But you're talking about something else where it's not quite right. In my welcome pack that I send to all my clients, I say, if something isn't sitting right with you, let me know. Let's address it. It might be, you know what, now that I'm into this coaching, I, I don't want to do it. My life is good. I'm satisfied. I don't have the work for you. Or I recently worked with a client who um, had a career goal and in, he hired me for eight sessions. In four sessions, he kind of nailed that. And he's like, I want to work on other things now, right? I want to do more life coaching. So we already hit the goal. We planned it. I want to change it to something else. If it's totally broken, I guess I would say, how would you want to be broken up with? Um, how would you like to end a relationship? I just had a relationship with a with my book PR team where it wasn't working. And I wrote them a note and I was like, listen, I'm not getting out of this what I want. And I don't think the staff is right. They fired the staff because the staff wasn't right, which was really great to, to have them do that so responsibly. And then they're like, we haven't given you what we said we would. We are sorry. You can give us another chance or we can part ways now. We screwed up and we're sorry. And I said, you know what? I think I, I will part ways because you don't have the staff to do the work I need done. Um, do you want to have a meeting to talk about like, I, I love you guys. I think you're great. You've handled this really professionally. I'd love to give you feedback if you want. Last night we had a closure feedback meeting. It was great. We both left feeling so good. They gained some insights for different kinds of programs they could offer clients and do better. And I felt like, oh, they heard me. They knew they couldn't service me the way they wanted to. We're good you can have a break and actually still be left whole and full. I love it. I'm sure you do a lot of career coaching. And so in the career coaching, I know that you see a lot of pitfalls. You see business owners having a lot of challenges. What are some of those challenges and pitfalls you see from seasoned business owners that you think are either easily avoidable or um, not as hard to overcome as we think? You know, 
I work here in Montclair, New Jersey, right? So there's a lot of small businesses here, a lot of small, you know, 10 to 30 person businesses. And I sometimes work with the business owners and the entire team. And I would say fiscal confidence is the main issue I keep seeing coming up. Uh, I can make a really, I'm a really great baker, but I'm a really great photographer, but um, I, I just don't know how to run this business. What if they find out that there's nothing in my bank account, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, again and again, it comes back to money um, and people's relationship with money. Mm. And that's emotional, right? I, I, I'm never going to be good at money. I was never good at money. I can't be good at money. And one of the first questions I ask those people is, who do you know that's good at money? Well, my best friend just bought her own house. How did she do it? I don't know. She's really good with money. So if you don't feel good with money, who are the money mentors you have and can access? Who are business leaders in your town? And it's funny because there's a big macher, a big business leader in my town. And I saw him today at the coffee shop. And I said, you know, the most common question I'm getting from my small business owners is, I don't know how to do money and I'm not good at money. I go, you're so good at money. He's like multimillionaire, self-made entirely. I was like, how, what do you do? He goes, well, what business are they in? I go, well, one of them's in retail. He goes, retail sucks. Get out of it. If you have a commodity, you can't win. So like he is not at all emotionally tied to, I want to do this thing. This thing gives me meaning. I'm so skilled at this thing. He only sees through the lens of, is it profitable? Can it make money? And when we right. started talking about different businesses, he's like, that'll never make money. That's a waste of time. It's almost like, um, it's a really fun hobby, but it can't make money. So first of all, figure out if your business can make money. Mm -hmm. right? And then go make the money. But if you can't make money, don't try to get blood from a stone, right. <laughs> you know? Right. But, but, but that money confidence, I think too many people go after, well, if I'm passionate about it and it's my true love, if you're passionate about it and it's your true love, then marry it or make it your hobby or spend all your free time doing it. If it's a business, then let it be a business. But sometimes people mistake a passion or a hobby for a business and that gets confusing. You know, and I, I actually went through that exact same thing in my other industry where I sat down and I looked at my return on investment and, you know, I don't want to make this about me right now, but, and I, and I, it was really hard to come to that, but I had a passion. It wasn't making me money. And therefore I was sad day after day and it's hard to make that realization. But now that I did make that transition, I I'm, you know, I'm leaps and bounds, uh, from where I was. So I think that's really important realization to make for yourself. I am so glad you mentioned that. And I will tell you within 10 minutes of a first session, I will tell people how much money do you need? What's your budget? How much money do you need? I want to leave my job and quit. Okay, cool. What's, do you have six months of money in the bank? Cause we can, we can quit tomorrow, of yeah. course, but do you have the money? So I talk about money very quickly, which is weird in our society, but like money gives you freedom, security. If you do not have it, then you are in survival mode. I am using the engine of your brain to solve your hardest questions. If your brain is focused on survival, I can't help you. So mm. the first thing we need to do is make sure you have enough money so that you're not distracted by your lack of money. Right. And then we can get to work. But Because you can't build anything if you have nothing to build with because you're worried about your rent or your food or whatever. So we have to get you past survival mode into some higher thinking problems, higher order problems that aren't so emotionally painful. Yep. And I think talking about money is oh so important because it really does drive so much of, you know, it drives business. That's what business is, right? You got to make a profit. So um, 
all of our listeners are business owners and, or they want to be. And I think making money, this, you know, easy to talk about topic is something that we have to be comfortable with in order to make those changes. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. And there's so many ways to learn. There's so many great assets for, for money. There's so many good money books, find one that speaks to you, find one that your friends recommend and, and go, go, uh, take money from emotional to tool, Mm -hmm. right? We don't, I mean, unless you're a chef, maybe like I, maybe, maybe you get emotional about paintbrushes. I just need them to put paint on the wall, doorknobs, you know, they're beautiful. That's cool. But I need them to work functionally. If your relationship with money is like a doorknob that sometimes doesn't work and sometimes does work, you're sitting there jiggling the doorknob, you can't open the door, it's crazy. So you've got to get right, right with your money. Right, right. Ah, so good. Okay, Allison, I have one more question for you that I ask all of my guests. Um, I like to leave my listeners with two sticky notes, two high, high impact pieces of advice or strategies that they can implement into their business this week or this month where they can make a big change in their business. Can you leave us with two sticky notes? Yeah, sure. Um, let's go back to the, what we talked about early on in the conversation. Is there something that you're not good at that you can hire out? If you hire it out, what is the ROI you demand on that investment? So number one, identify the thing that you're not good at, that you're kind of hacking your way through. Maybe it's web design, maybe it's your blog, maybe it's your social media. Figure out what you're not good at, dot, 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 that you want to hire out. That's number one. Number two, find someone who's really good at that thing. Pay the money demanding the ROI that you need. Not demanding like bitchy, but like, (laughs) what do you need to make this work? Like, let's make this system work. Broken part, new part that's expensive, but the expense of the new part is much lower than the value you'll derive from a healthier system. Ah, great. (laughs) I love it. I get excited when I have good pieces of advice that I can apply to my own business. <laughs> what's, what's one more sticky note? So, so make a list of what you're good at, what you're not good at. If you hire it out, figure out the ROI. Is it worth it? What's one more thing we can do? Well, Sarah, this is a big one. This is a really, really big one. Ready? Okay. All the work we're talking about and business owners in general, it's demanding. It's hard work. It's so much fun. Let's take care of your brain. So your brain is as healthy as it can be. If you meditate, meditate every day this week for 10 minutes. If you don't meditate, go take a look at Headspace, which is an app. Go take a look at Calm, C-A-L-M, which is an app. Or agree to take a silent walk or sit in nature for 10 minutes and just breathe. Find a meditative opportunity every day this week, just 10 minutes, no more, no more than 10 minutes, but I know you can find 10 minutes a day. Sometimes you'll get to an appointment early, just sit there, close your eyes and meditate. Find the opportunity to check in with yourself and listen to your breath. If you're able to give yourself that pause, that cleanses the system and freshens your mind. And I, I do that with a lot of my clients because they come in with a lot of nervous energy and we, I spend a lot of time just bringing them down so that they can get centered to think efficiently. If you can introduce some meditation, either using an app or using nature to bring you to that place, do it. Awesome. I really appreciate that. I think those are two things that are, that are easy to implement today, honestly. Sarah, Sarah, will you do it? I will do it. I have been doing. I actually am a user of um, Headspace. And, really? And you can use different, you know, you can do 10 minutes or you can even do the three minutes or the five minutes. If you really feel like you don't have a lot of time, which uh-huh. we all 
whatever time we need to focus on whatever we find important. But sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to at least take three minutes. And I'm just going to go over here. I'm going to do this. Cool. Because if not, I'm going to like freak out about whatever I'm dealing with at the moment. So, and even cool. my, my, actually my husband is so much better at it than I am. And he'll remind me like, you need to meditate. I'm like, you are correct. <laughs> so, well, I'm psyched. If you like these pieces of advice, I can't wait to hear what you do. Um, as part of this podcast, you know, what you decide to outsource the ROI you demand, you know what I mean? Right. Right. Yeah. So Allison, where can our listeners hang out with you on the web? Do you, are you on social media? Do you, your website is allisontask.com, correct? Allisontask.com. That's A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-S-K, like multitask.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. There's a, a page where you can watch. I tend to use Facebook to post like latest research ideas, articles, um, Twitter as well. And then I'm trying to do more on Instagram. So come, come play with me, Allison Task Coach on Instagram, just regular Allison Task on Twitter. Come play with me. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to share the really good morsels I have. I think that's really wonderful. Listeners, how about you? What can you do today, this week to make that change in your life? Do you need to meditate? Do you need to have a better understanding with money? Maybe it's all about reassessing all that uh, work that you have uh, hired out. Are you getting the return investment? Do you want, maybe you just, maybe you need a coach. Maybe if you're a coach, maybe you need a coach to make that big change. I, I don't know, but I'm really hoping that this episode has inspired you to make a change for the better, because that's why you're here. That's why you're listening. I'm Sarah Karakane. That wraps up this episode of Stand Out. I can't thank you enough for hanging out with me and learning with me. If you like this podcast, if you were inspired or you find something valuable, please leave us a review and hit that subscribe button because we want to reach as many organizing and productivity professionals as possible. So in addition, spread the wealth. If you know a colleague or coworker or someone who's wanted to make a big change, share this episode with them today. Again, I thank you for hanging out with me. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. So I'll talk to you then. That's all for this episode of Stand Out, brought to you by the National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Be sure to visit napo.net to learn more about our educational offerings, our local chapters, and both certification and certificate opportunities. Don't miss an episode as we help you build the business you've always dreamed of owning. Ba-da, ba-da.